Welcome to One Accord, a twice-weekly podcast presented by the Houston Chamber Choir. I'm arts and culture expert, Sinjin Flynn. Each Friday on Behind the Music, I'll offer you a glimpse into the personalities and the outside musical influences of the choral musicians and the collaborators who have worked with the Houston Chamber Choir. Welcome to With One Accord, Behind the Music, our regular series of Friday podcasts. I'm Sinjin Flynn. This time, we'll be talking with one of the longtime Houston Chamber Choir members, tenor Wayne Ashley. Wayne, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Sinjin. It's great to join you. I assume that um, you are safe and uh, sound in the middle of this uh, pandemic. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, you know, in Houston and, and doing the, the quarantine thing as, as we as we so many of us have been doing and, and trying to, to stay home as much as possible and limit, you know, travel and contact and, and all of those important things, um, even as we all really begin to go stir crazy. Um, it's it's yeah. just utmost importance to me and to my to my mom who lives with me. How long have you been part of the chamber choir? Wow. So I began singing with the Houston Chamber Choir uh, way back in 2008. So 11 going on 12 years. Yes, I guess this is, yeah, this is, this is a 12, 12 years. So, wow, which is, which is kind of funny because if, I guess I've been in the Chamber Choir about half of the time that it's been around, which is really crazy <laughs> to me. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so 2008 was my first season and just really enjoyed it. And I've sang ever since. I know that you were one of the, uh, the lucky few that got to go to uh, Los Angeles for the Grammy Awards. What was that experience like for you? It, it was really, it was, it was surreal. Um, just beyond what I could have like imagined, uh, you know, to, to be able to go and, and see so many people, uh, meet so many incredible folks and, you know, be on a red carpet that you're used to watching at home and, 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 and seeing all of these things happen just right before your eyes and um, I mean it was it was really the whole experience was just I mean it's uh, just I, I mean I, I don't think I could ever forget it for sure. What was that feeling like when they announced that the Houston Chamber Choir was the winner of the Grammy for uh, best choral performance? Honestly it was it was Bedlam. I, I don't, I mean, like, it was like, because, you know, so we went and it was our first time to ever, like, be nominated, you know, our first time, you know, me, Bob, you know, Mariano, who, what have you, our first time to have ever been to any of these things, like, like, we had only, like, like in previous years, we had had a couple of our CDs like make the Grammy ballot. And that was exciting to us, which was like, oh, wow, we're being considered for this. And then when we got nominated, we were all just so thrilled. And we, that was kind of like our whole 
thought process was like, this is so cool to be able to take all of this in. And, you know, it's just so great to like meet folks and, you know, maybe one day. In fact, a funny part to that story is like the category right before us, I can't remember what the category was, but it was this really, I mean, this really great guy that won and, you know, he got up there and he gave his like, his, um, his like speech uh, after after winning the Grammy Award, and he was like, you know, he gave this this speech basically saying about like, yeah, this is my this is my thirteenth time being nominated, and finally I won, and it's it's just been exciting and wonderful every time, and you know, lots of you out there, are, you know, you're on your first nomination, so you're not gonna win, but it's really awesome anyway, and we were like, yeah, it's really awesome, <laughs> and then the next category was us, and they they called. I can't even, okay, so I can't even, like, remember what they called, but they called something that was, the nominees were were listed as something. I can't remember what it was, either Robert mm-hmm. Simpson or something like that. And then when they called the winner, they didn't say Robert Simpson or Houston Chamber Choir or something. They said Duraflay, and we're like, oh. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> we're like oh i don't think maurice duraflay is here and it i mean it took it took it literally really did take like a second to even realize that it was us such that there is a now infamous picture of me just with my mouth just like <laughs> terrifying i mean like because because not a single i mean when they when they when they called out the name duraflay complete world works not a single one of us thought that it was us winning not well, congratulations and then mariana was like and, and then everybody just like jumped so yeah it was it was a very it was very confusing is is a good way to is a good way to put it it was a very confusing uh, moment, but as exciting as could be, you know, standing on the stage, looking at all these other people, and they were, all, I mean, everybody was so, like, sweet and so happy for us. I mean, like, I'll never forget that. Well, that's one of the uh, events of your life that you will never forget, and uh, you will, you know, tell the future generations about the, the time that uh, you won a Grammy. Congratulations. Let's talk about your um, musical life outside of the Houston Chamber Choir. Did you grow up in a musical family? Well, yes, very much so. And, and thankfully so. Um, I, I, my, both sides of my family are just, you know, have some phenomenal musicians. Um, uh, from some of my uncles, my uncle David is a fantastic singer. My uncle Bruce, uh, on my mom's side of the family, is like an amazing singer, uh, accordion player, uh, harmonica, um, and he's a Zydeco uh, musician. Um, my grandfather played piano and things like that, and my dad used to play uh, guitar and sing. Um, so I was I was very blessed to be around lots of incredible. My 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 great aunt was uh, a church pianist, um, and so I was very blessed to be around lots of incredible, uh, incredibly musical folks. 
what sort of music did you hear at home? Well, at home, I grew up listening to, uh, you know, it, it was fun uh, because it, it just depended on who I was with. Like, you know, with my, my dad, you know, he loved uh, a lot of like, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, R&B music and, and uh, you know, he, he used to love listening to things like Tony Braxton and Vanessa Williams and um, uh, Luther Vandross. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, so, so folks like that. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother was very much uh, into country music. And so she, she raised me on lots of really fun stuff like, you know, Patsy Cline and Conway Twitty and, and, uh, and uh, Johnny Cash and things like that. So I watched a lot of Hee Haw when I was growing up. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so lots of um, the Charlie Pride, lots of really fun things there. And then my, my uncles, you know, they just listened to a whole bunch of like Stevie Wonder and then also Delta Blues, which is, which is uh, runs in my family. I'm from Arkansas originally. So that's what my family grew up doing. Like my grandfather, they were blues musicians. Um, and so, so I got to listen to, to a lot of that incredible music as well. Do you remember when you started to buy your own music? What was the music that you bought? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. That is a really great question. I want to say, well, I loved, I loved listening to music even from when I was, when I was little. So I probably bought my first music when I was pretty little, um, actually. And I'm guessing it was a cassette tape, I think. <laughs> um, and I, I want to say it, my first thing that I purchased had to be either uh, Janet Jackson's Control or Michael Jackson's Thriller. It'd be one of the two. And today, what sort of music are you buying for yourself today? Well, I'm so glad that you used that particular terminology because I do actually still like to buy music. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm a fan of that. Um, even though I know that there's tons of ways that we can access music now, um, especially for artists that I enjoy. Um, I, 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 I'm a fan of actually buying and owning their work and not having, right. you know, iTunes or Spotify or Apple Music decide um, when and how long I can keep it on my, my machine. Yeah. So. I am a fan of doing that. I'm a fan of, uh, you know, purchasing music and, and enjoy doing that still. Um, but yeah, I mean, so many things. I, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, some of the really great choral groups that we have around the, around the nation. So I uh, bought recently some Tenebre uh, CDs and, uh, you know, a big fan of um, groups like uh, Chanticleer, um, so that's choral music. And then, you know, I also just love to buy like lots of like um, dance music things too. So that's just another uh, thing that I really enjoy. And then some independent artists that I, that I really like. Uh, there's a singer, British singer named Daly, who's a British R&B singer that I, uh, I'm a big fan of and kind of follow his career and the things that he puts out. So, yeah. 
So do you have an extensive CD collection? You know, it's, it's extensive enough, I think. I probably own, probably own about a hundred and something CDs, I guess, that I still have. Do you own any vinyl? Huh? Do you own any vinyl? Yes, yes, I'm, but my vinyl collection is actually really small. So I'm working on, like I'm starting that up now. Like I've, I think I've now bought, I think I have about 12 or so records that I've bought. Now my dad has a whole bunch of them. So, so yeah, I love to go and listen to some of his, his uh, records too. But, um, but yeah, I'm just starting on my, on my vinyl collection. You studied music uh, in college. Um, was that your first exposure, if you like, to um, music as a, I don't want to say as a profession, but as a, as a pre-profession? Or when you were growing up, did you sing in a choir? Were you, uh, did you sing in the choir at church or at school? Well, ironically enough, um, growing up when I, when I started in school, I started out in school in band. Um, so I began my musical studies actually playing the trumpet, which I played until uh, 10th grade, and then I switched over to euphonium. And so I was hmm. a band kid uh, through and through during that time. And ironically, I, I didn't sing very much. <laughs> I didn't sing in, you know, choir or anything. In fact, the first, probably outside of like when I was maybe 11 or 12 in children's church. I don't think I really sang much of anything until uh, when I got to 11th grade, I just entered a talent show. And um, because I was playing euphonium, I couldn't play in my friend's brass quintet anymore. So I was like, well, okay, so I don't, I don't have anything to do in it because I'd been in the talent show before as a second trumpet player. And now I was like, I don't have anything to do in the talent show. So what am I going to do? in the talent show. And I was just like, well, I guess, I guess I can sing. And uh, I did. <laughs> and that was like, that was my first time maybe singing in public, really. And, and from there on, I kind of started really, you know, working it in, as it were. And my first time really in choir and what I would consider like a, like a kind of serious choir was in college, my freshman year of college. When did you know that music was going to be your life, your professional life? Wow. Um, I, I've just always loved music and I've always been interested in music and in multiple aspects of music. Um, and it was just always a subject that that just meant so much to me um, as a, as a, you know, as a, as a way, as a form of expression and as a form of, uh, you know, learning about and studying the human condition. I, I feel that so strongly with music. And so that's, what's always drawn me to music, even as, you know, my career has kind of, I've considered other things. I've always, kind of kept a pretty strong root into music whatever I was doing so whether I was playing 
you know, euphonium in the brass band or whether I was singing, you know, in, in a jazz ensemble or singing in the choir or something like that. I just always have had, uh, you know, music happening, thankfully. So. I know that outside of the chamber choir, um, you also sing elsewhere. Um, I think you're in a, a church choir, but you also sing some jazz as well, don't you? Yes. Oh, I love it. Um, I well, we're we're not currently together. Maybe maybe sometime soon. But but for the past couple of years, I have sang with a group called Cloudburst, which is a vocal jazz uh, quartet, and just really really have enjoyed doing that. And I, I sing um, you know a good bit of jazz on my own, uh, along with gospel and R&B uh, music. So so I I love to do that. I'm also uh, working on writing my own music and and um, huh. you know learning how to produce that uh, myself as well. So I'm just starting on that journey. Just just started working on all those things last year. So I'm I'm actually working on uh, you know creating my own music. The music that you're writing is is it instrumental or does it have a choral uh, element as well? Yes, um, it it. It has both. Um, for example, I have some some uh, songs that are a cappella uh, songs and just multiple, you know, vocal tracks. And then I have some songs that are, you know, you know, full instrumentation, um, uh, things things like that. So it's kind of both and. What is it that that really attracts you to music that includes? the human voice? Well, I think the human voice is, it's kind of the originator of expression. Mm -hmm. And with so much of what we do, even for those of us that play other instruments, we are we are carrying that voice from within and really trying to speak your voice maybe through a different instrument. Um, I know that's how I felt as a, as a, as a euphonium player. And, and it was interesting because, you know, having played trumpet, playing euphonium, and then coming to being able to sing, you know, just becoming a singer, um, you know, it was always kind of the voice for me that, was in control because it really is the the progenitor of you know musical expression of human expression um and and that's that's such a you know that's such an important thing and of course the power of being able to to combine uh song and melody with language um mm -hmm. is just its own uh its its own reward and its own um, uh, special uh, power. Really, are there particular uh, singers that that you really look up to, um, or you know, you think, God, I wish I could sing like that. I mean, I'm not well, saying you don't sing like that, but but you know, you say to yourself, I wish I could sing like. Uh, I mean, Whitney, Whitney Houston or something. There's, there's, I mean, name them all. I love, I love every, I mean, 
what I love so much about singers and what I love so much about the voice is that everybody, everybody's voice is so unique. And so I just, you know, people that I grew up listening to that I just always wanted to sing like, um, I have to say probably at the top of the list would be like Luther Vandross, Johnny Gill, um, just huge, huge fans of them as singers. Um, and certainly, oh my goodness, certainly people like Whitney Houston, um, Mariah Carey. Uh, Aretha. Aretha Frank. Oh my goodness gracious. Aretha Franklin and uh, mm. Dinah Washington, jazz singer, whom I really love. Uh, and just, but but it's just really the root of, of expression can be so uh, incredible. And, and everybody does it in, in a slightly different way. And it's exciting and thrilling and amazing every time uh, you hear a singer. I mean, it, it, to me, you know, a, a good singer. Um, to me, it's just, it's something that you just, it's just such a special power and such a special magic that they can, that they can command. Do you find it a challenge to, to sort of move between um, different types of music? When you sing with the chamber choir, for example, um, there is, you know, the notes are all there on the page and you sing with a certain discipline um, and you do what the, uh, the conductor tells you. But when you're singing jazz, for example, there is perhaps uh, a greater sense of freedom. Um, do you find that, that those two things can be incompatible? Or do you not see it as, uh, as, a, as a distinction? That's a good question. And I would say... To be honest, I think I don't view them as so different. Um, I think that it's it's about it's about it's about having the feeling of you know the feeling of creation or recreation or what how, whatever you want to call it of of, of of spontaneity and feeling that with with music to where it's it's at a certain level with you um, mm -hmm. that you can get so much out of out of a beautiful um, you know a, one of one piece that I've been just listening to uh, a lot uh, in the last week um, one of my favorite choral pieces is uh, the Bach motet Comme Jesus Comme um, and you know, all of the notes are there. You know, they all exist. But you, <laughs> you, you listen to a group do it, and the and the levels of expression that they can, that they can, um, that they can achieve from that. You know, and that's that's work that we've had in the at least in the Western music lexicon for, you know, two hundred plus years, but it can feel so unique and so different. Um, and that to me is is really special. And I, I feel the same way about I feel the same way about all the different types of music that I love. To be honest, I love I, I I love achieving that whether it be classical music, whether it be you know R and B, pop music, rock, jazz. I think it's just you you have to you have to feel it and internalize it and own it, and then 
those, all of those boxes that we, that we put the music in mean a lot less. How do you yourself prepare uh, a piece um, for that you're going to be performing with the chamber choir, for example? Because obviously you don't just show up to rehearsal and sing and then go home and not look at the music and, until the next rehearsal. You're working on it yourself uh, in your own time at home, etc. How do you do that? Taking the time to understand it as best as I can interpret it. You know, obviously there's the nuts and bolts things that you want to do, you know? So like for me, if I open up a piece um, that I've never seen before, I'm going to, you know, take a, take a look through it, you know, maybe hum through, um, you know, part once and then maybe sound out certain words or something like that and kind of get, you know, a, a, a basic bare bones understanding of it. But then you have to move to some sort of level of interpretation. And what is uh, fun slash scary about the Houston Chamber Choir is that <laughs> we, we, we do all of that and we're such, um, individually we're such just i mean just such incredible musicians such incredible musicians and and it's so exciting to work in a group where everybody comes in and brings their best musicianship and best you know thoughts about something and i i feel like i mean maybe bob would disagree with me but i feel like we're able to give him a lot to work with in terms of the the conductor and the decisions that he needs to make because we're we're singers at such a level that we can that we can we can give something that's not just okay note and rhythm check you know that we can right. that we can come into something and actually feel the music and how it needs to move um, and things and he can kind of I don't know again, you'd have to ask him, but he can kind of sculpt and shape that because we're giving right. him enough interpretation. Um, and so I, I feel like that's where I want to be with, with music. Um, you know, say a new piece that I haven't heard before. That's where I want to be with it when we get ready for rehearsal. So that takes, that takes the time of, I need to sit down with something and, and uh, interpret it. And thankfully, you know, I've sang long enough to where I'm not having to just, you know, bang out keys uh, uh, all the time like I used to. You know, I did. I did. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I can kind of look at something and go, okay, I kind of understand the, the, the shape of this, the feel of this. Or maybe, maybe I don't understand it. And then when we get to rehearsal, as a group, we, have a, we can develop a better understanding, too. So. One of the things that um, I don't think people perhaps know about you is that you do actually have a life outside of music. Um, you are a, uh, you do a podcast and you write. What sort of things do you like to write about? Where is your focus? 
Well, uh, um, you know, I, yes, I, I enjoy uh, writing about issues, you know, some of them, I guess you could call it current events. I, I am somewhat involved with politics to an extent, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, um, uh, so I, so I do work on that and advocate for certain issues and, 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 uh, and, and then also I'm happy to, you know, work with people maybe that don't have my same political philosophy because I, I feel that is also really, uh, really important, but, but certainly, um, things with which I am passionate about, um, and that would certainly include, um, social justice and, you know, progress and things that we can, that we can do to improve and better our society. And so I think that's what motivates me as a, as a, you know, current events commentator and, a, and a blogger and a podcast host is, is taking, taking moments to, to look at certain issues and help, um, will help myself to better understand them and think through them. But then uh, by way of doing that, I've found that it also can help others as well. Since we've uh, all been sort of closed in because of the, the COVID-19 pandemic, um, have you found that you've become more creative? That's, that's such a good question. And I would have to say uh, creative, yes, in a different way, because you have moments to absorb and reflect on mm -hmm. certain things that you didn't have before, you know, when you're not, I mean, when you're not always rushing off to the next rehearsal or the right. next thing. Um, so you have, you have time to kind of, to kind of really think about certain things. I, I've been working uh, very much on, on the music that I'm writing during this time, just because it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of, um, especially right now in the world, there's so many things to process and so many things that are going on that we, that we are feeling. And um, you have to be able to express those, those things and, and form a healthy creative outlet for them. And so, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's been, it has been a challenging time. And I think that sometimes the greatest Creativity comes from that challenge. You've been involved with the, the chamber choir now for almost 12 years. Um, what do you see for yourself in the future? Wow. Well, I, I just love the chamber choir dearly. And um, I'm just so happy and so proud to be a part of it um, now. And so... I want, um, I am really, really, really praying for folks to really do an amazing job and help us, uh, you know, get to the other side of COVID-19 mm -hmm. so that, you know, choral singing can become a thing again. Um, and it's, I think it's, you know, I, it hurts to, to, to personally, it, it hurts to be labeled a super spreader. <laughs> you know, in terms of 
you know, how, how we specifically uh, achieve our art, um, you know, so, so I'm hoping that we, we find out more about that and that we, uh, so that's kind of, you know, you, you can't, you can't ask a question like that because it's going to get me emotional. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, yeah, so, so, I mean, I just, I love to sing in the chamber choir and if, if Bob is, is willing to put up with me longer then I, I certainly uh, intend to do that. And, and from here on out, really what I am, I'm just, uh, what I'm passionate about right now is I'm, I'm learning and, uh, and, and creating this journey for myself into the world of music production and music writing. And, and that's what I would like to do in my future is to, is to actually be writing some music uh, for me, uh, possibly for others and, and kind of exploring that. And it's, it's something that I'm, I'm devoting a lot of time to right now and that I'm very uh, excited about. As you say, choral music is, it's a very communal um, enterprise. And that is something that, that is missing from your life at the moment. Um, have you had any experience over the last few months of, of singing with others via Zoom, for example? Well, yes. Uh, and, and, and it's been wonderful. Uh, I'm just, I'm so, uh, I'm so happy to be a member of the St. Paul's United Methodist Church Choir. And I just, I just love them to pieces. They, they are my, my Houston family for sure. I've been, uh, I've actually been in the, in the St. Paul's Choir longer than I, I've sang in the, in the chamber choir. Oh, really? And, um, yeah. And so I, uh, we've, we've done some Zoom, uh, some Zoom pieces uh, with that group, and uh, and even though Chamber Choir hasn't done any specifically, we've had a couple of folks that are just some really fantastic Houston singers. Uh, we did a, we did a Zoom piece, and they're so wonderful. You know, they're they're not, you know, ain't nothing like the real thing, but you know, they're they're really, um, you know, they're they're a, a wonderful thing that we at least can do now, and. I don't mean to spread doom and gloom. I know that we'll be back. We, right, you know, choral right. music is, is just too, uh, it's just too essential. Um, so we're, we will figure it out uh, and be able to uh, share and make, you know, great music again. And I think part of what's happening now is, is for us singers, we just have to kind of keep each other, you know, uh, lifted up and, and, and in, encouraged because, you know, so certain people are out there with these with these infamous um, webinars that we don't want to watch. So, <laughs> let me ask you a, a, a difficult question, perhaps. Um, in the uh, the twelve years that you've been associated with the Houston Chamber Choir, have you seen it change? Have you seen it evolve? Uh, and if so, in what way? Yes, I think that we are now, we are as strong of an ensemble as I've ever had the, the, the fortune of getting to participate in. Um, and I think that that has been built on such a wonderful legacy of just, just good, 
hardworking folks that have really just given their, their absolute all to uh, uh, the Houston Chamber Choir. And we've been so fortunate to have that season after season. Have we changed? Yes and no. I think fundamentally we are, we are a group that still just cares about, you know, our community. We care about uh, bringing wonderful world-class uh, choral music to our city and to our, uh, our patrons and our audience. And that, that hasn't changed. Um, that's the group that I joined uh, in 2008. And I'm just so proud that we're, we're still that group. And what has changed is that we've just, we've just continued to, to get better and continue to, uh, you know, extend our, our family of, of singers and, and past singers. Uh, one thing that I really, I think, I think this is Bob that's, I'm pretty sure it's Bob that said this about the whole, you know, when we won the uh, Grammy and everything, he, 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 he's always careful to say, you know, this is, this is a, something that we celebrate, not just for those that were on the one project, but as a whole family of, of singers that have, that have been here. Because the Houston Chamber Choir wouldn't be the Houston Chamber Choir without that first group of folks that sang back in 1995. And, right. and I'm just so proud to be a part of all of the amazing stuff that they did. And at the same time, I'm really happy with how much we have achieved. A final question for you, Wayne, um, and this, this one is an unfair question, and uh, I apologize in advance. One piece of music in your library, one CD or one uh, LP, one piece of vinyl, that folks would be surprised that you own. Um, one, I don't know. I don't know what, like, I don't know what, like, assumptions, like, people have about me as a musician. <laughs> um, I, I would say, uh, I, ooh, that's, that is a tough question. I guess I have to go with, um, uh, Fat Pat, 25 lighters. I don't know. <laughs> Tell us about Fat Pat. Uh, Houston, Houston hip hop. Um, yeah. So, so, uh, 25 lighters on the dress. Uh, yes, sir. Gots to get paid. So just a whole I... Houston hip hop classic. Yeah. I'm glad we got to work some of that into the interview. Oh, anytime. anytime. Well, Wayne Ashley, thank you very much for uh, joining us. And congratulations again on the, uh, the Grammy win. And uh, we look forward to hearing you, seeing you on the stage with the Houston Chamber Choir in the not too distant future. Thank you very much. Oh, don't we? Oh my gosh. I can't even be humble about that. I, I do too. <laughs> Oh, but thank you. Thank you so much, Sinjin. And, and, you know, I just, wow, it's just, it's just such a, I, I feel so blessed to be a part of such an incredible community in Houston and, and really all over Texas. We, we really, 
we really have something so special. I don't, I hope nobody's really taking it for granted now, but that's just, we, we live in such a wonderful and brilliant and vibrant city for arts and for culture and for everything. And, and we're just, I'm just yeah. so glad to be a part. And I'm just, I just want to encourage all the singers out there, just keep doing it so that we can be ready to get back to, to what we know and love. Well, again, thank you very much, Wayne. We appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to talk. Thank you, Sinjin. It's been wonderful. And thank you as well to all of the patrons and sponsors who support the Houston Chamber Choir. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you very much to you as well for joining us, and we hope that you'll join us again next time. Thank you. <laughs>